We would be honored if you would join us. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers, where we're here. We're alive, we're excited, and, well, I've said this before, we're going somewhere where, you know, I'm just not going to say it. I'm just going to go. I was going to wow, say something you else. set it up. You had us hanging on every word. I know. I was totally going to go somewhere and mess it all up, and then I decided not to go there because, well, I just don't like Star Trek. I was going to totally throw in a Star Trek thing and just <laughs> duck hook everyone. Not to You're throw in the star shade. Not to boldly go where no man has gone before, but I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. You I, might appreciate this, Daniel. So I've got some friends staying from out of town, and they were watching the uh, second episode of the third season of Orville. Yeah. And uh, I, I walked in, and I was like, Oh, this looks like Orville's come a long way, and they're like, "It's our favorite Star Trek series." And uh, and I said, uh, "Isn't that what?" Or they said, "Star Trek show." It's our favorite Star Trek show, and I said, uh, "Isn't that Galaxy Quest?" And they go, "No, that's our favorite Star Trek movie." <laughs> nice. <laughs> it nice. was fantastic. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I still think that that insults Orville and Galaxy Quest. Uh... <laughs> oh, ooh. ooh. What? The bitterness. Yes. Careful. Anger I leads know. to hate, and hate I leads know. to suffering, which leads to I don't know something else. Leads to our to our. It sub- leads to the prequels. Yes. Oh, woohoo! Yeah. Salty. It, it it is definitely going to where we're going, and for some reason, my video just went kaputski. There it is. Uh, anyway, it's back now. You know, it's back. So for all of the for all of you listening on the radio. You'll be happy to know his video is back. For yeah. just a moment there, we saw Daniel the same way you do. Yes, you don't. You don't see me. <laughs> way to go, John Cena. All right, so carry us forth into the news, Daniel. All right, we'll jump into the news. Um, so some pretty cool, amazing things. Uh, so if you don't already know, there is a Ghostbusters animated movie on the way. I did not know that. It is currently in development. It's going to be called the Ghostbusters animated series for Netflix. Oh. Uh, and they are working with Jason Reitman, uh, which, you know, we know just did Afterlife, which was fantastic and amazing. So uh, I'm excited for this. So it will be definitely, it's, you know, it, it's on its way. That's, that's so. exciting. I, I honestly had not heard word one of it until you just said it. Yeah. Well, that's so there. And following in Netflix amazingness, uh, so the trailer for Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie, uh, is out. So you can go on Netflix and check that out. It is an animated series, so, um, or animated movie. But yeah, so that will. So what's it called again? It is called Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie. Wow. Yeah. So, so is that Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles told in movie form, or is it the rise of the movie that was released in 1991? So it's uh, the t- the cartoon series, but it's the movie. So they've had this uh, cartoon series running for a while, so it's the movie of that. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. That makes more sense. And of course, the Krang shows up, so hurrah. Thank heavens for that. And those of you that have just watched... Season four of Stranger Things. Season five will be shorter and faster paced. 
Yeah. Yeah. This whole idea of like part one is eight episodes or six episodes, eight episodes. And then part. Yeah. Part two is like two yeah. episodes. Two episodes. But I mean, to be fair, the first of those two is an hour and a half and the other one's almost two and a half hours. So. Yeah. So so they did like a Benedict Cumberbatch Sherlock Holmes style thing. Yeah. But also, for those of you that don't know, season five is the end of, of Stranger Things. That's that is the it. Uh, no which is they, weird because I thought be. I thought season four was going to be the it. Yeah. Yeah. They All won't right. be teenagers anymore after that. Yeah. Uh, they are not. Yeah, yeah. It is very interesting how fast all those kids have suddenly grown up, but mm. they're all awesome. I love the show. I'm only, I am slacking as a nerd. I'm only about halfway through this season because I'm trying to watch it with my buddy, Chris and mm. our schedules just don't mesh up very well, but uh, I am super excited to finish this season. This season is phenomenal. I agree. It's been really cool. My, my favorite thing though, is how they just keep tying in D and D and into the story and, even the monsters have D and D monster names, which is just fantastic. You know, you know what? I was going to throw this in as a. I'm going to throw it in as a bonus news item, but but it is related to what you're talking about, just loosely. So you guys might recall that Netflix had a live action series for Death Note, mm-hmm. um, and it was. Uh, I actually enjoyed it, but the fans of the original graphic novel series were not pleased with it at all. I just saw today. Just announced today. The Duffer Brothers, who created Stranger Things, are doing a live-action Death Note, either movie or series, for Netflix. Nice. Yeah. Uh, well, I've got a news item. Please. I've got good news and bad news. Uh, if you are an Amazon Prime member, yes. the good news is there is a new exclusive bonus trailer for uh, The Rings of Power. Yes. Lord of the Rings a series coming out. Uh, it's only about one minute, so they may have overhyped it a little bit, but it is <laughs> a really cool trailer. Um, and it is, uh, so the good news is, if you're a Prime member, you can see it. If you aren't, you, you can't. The bad news is, it's only available July 6th and July 7th, and by the time you hear this podcast, if you haven't already seen it, it's too late. <laughs> Sorry to tell you. Uh, by the way, Rings of Power is going to debut on September 2nd, so we're only two months away or less uh, from that, and um, the there's some cool Easter eggs hiding in the trailer. If you're a big Tolkien fan, you can probably name or at least guess at a lot of the characters that show up on the screen. So this is an Easter egg stravaganza, one might say. Doesn't this series take place in either the first or second age? Yeah, it is way early. This is when, uh, before Sauron became the evil flaming eye. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. this was the construction of the rings way back before. And I don't know all the Tolkien terms, but this is the, the beginning of the Numenor, the race of super, I don't want to say supermen, but the ubermensch. For, that's a, that's a, <laughs> even that's not a good term to use, but uh, Aragorn's uh, line. Uh, and also um, the beginning of the uh, elves and... The uh, and the people who would eventually become the wizards, they're not exactly human, yeah. And I, I saw the video today, and oh my gosh, the production quality for that one minute is just through the roof. Amen. And uh, I am super curious what they're alluding at. 
And, so. and the purpose of this trailer was they were hoping people would go ahead and get a Prime membership because they are exactly one week away from Amazon Prime Day, where they have a bunch of sales and they really try to drive a lot of their retail stuff. So this is absolutely driven by that, but it's also kind of cool if you're a nerd. Absolutely. Uh, I have just a few pieces of geek news myself, and they are mostly around video games, uh, except for one, which is movie-related. So uh, I am still, to this day, an adoring fan of Hocus Pocus. And by now, I'm sure you've heard that Hocus Pocus 2 is on the way. They released a teaser for it, but then they, just like a little tiny teaser, then they released something a little bit longer. Uh, And so if you go out to YouTube, you can see the first Hocus Pocus 2 trailer, and it's wonderful. I'm super excited. And as far as I know, and this was con- this was put out on social media in a very public way, so I don't feel bad saying this, but our dear friend Doug Jones is returning as Billy the Dead Boyfriend. Woo-hoo! I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see him reprise that role. So we from, love you, Dougie boy. Yeah, from the sounds of it, everyone is returning except for the, uh, I can't remember his name, but he did the voice for Zachary Binks. Well, he actually played Zachary Binks as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, he is not returning. So. Yeah, he, he wouldn't fit the role too well now. He's also pretty busy on NCIS. Yeah. <laughs> He's, Are uh, you serious? He is Agent McGee on NCIS. I did not realize that connection, yes. but now that you say it. Yeah, he, he definitely is rocking the dad bod now, and it would not be a good fit to go back to the teenage dead boy. Oh, hey, uh, call one of those kids over here to go get that black candle for me. Yeah, but apparently, yeah, the black candle resurrects the book. And the Sanderson sisters, so it'll be interesting. With all new visual effects, because their magic is stronger now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so two more items here, and uh, so we are recording this just so that you guys are... Here's a little peek behind the curtain of the magic that makes DCR, but we are recording this July 6th, and you'll hear this July 8th. Hopefully, you'll 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 hear this as soon as July 8th. But the point is, the point is, today on July 6th, two really cool video game things happened. One, Ubisoft announced oh, so so quite some time ago, like a couple years ago now. Ubisoft announced that they were going to make a mobile game for the Division. And as I don't know if you knew this or not, but I'm a huge fan of the Division series. And the Division it was going to get a mobile game and from the time that they announced it, it was basically dead air. They haven't said anything else. They haven't released pictures. They haven't talked about it. Nothing. Today, they released on social media a 30-second... No, no. It was like a minute-long trailer that showed the graphics and the engine for the mobile game, which, of course, is mobile-grade, but it's actually really ambitious for a mobile game. And it's called The Division Resurgence. I am super excited to try this game. I signed, I got an email all about it that let me register for the alpha test. I'm hoping that they pick me because, man, oh, man, I would love to critique and experience this game. Second, and this is probably the biggest news in the video game world. So a handful of days ago, Corey Barlog, who is the creative director behind the God of War series, the new God of War series, he was getting pestered all the time. Everybody, it was like an ongoing joke for many, many months now that people every day would tease him and be like, hey, how about a release date for God of War? Because of course, God of War Ragnarok is coming, but nobody knew when. And he told us a handful of days ago, he's like, God of War will not be delayed, which everybody was worried it would be. 
God of War will not be delayed. Be patient. And then here we are a few days later, and he announced very publicly. It's going to be delayed? No. Oh, not, good. No. It's coming out November 9th. So November 9th of this year. Everybody was like, oh, it's going to be pushed back to 2023. Here's the truth. If we get close to November and he's like, yeah, I need like two more months to really make this solid or three more months. I ain't going to be mad about it, but I am super stoked that that it is slated for November 9th. And he is, he is absolutely committed to getting it launched on that day. So big win for the video game community. And that is geek news. Awesome. Oh man. So today's topic is a rather like this has been a long time coming. And you can either look at it as a long time coming in term, in the terms of like three years or in the terms of like almost 40 years, like 35 years in the making. There – oh, no, I'm sorry, 45 years in the making. Sorry, math was off. <laughs> Disney Plus has now finished and fully released the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Which, of course, stars a dashing Ewan Ewan McGregor as he struggles with not only his self-identity, but his commitment to protect the Skywalker twins. I was going to say children. Is it okay to say Skywalker twins? Or is that... I I guess so, because it's it's the solo twins when we talk about Jaina and Jason. And little known fact, twins are also considered children. Yeah. When they're young. When they're little. Yes. So, So when last we spoke... We had seen the first two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yes. Now we have the remaining four episodes for the entire six-episode series. Yes. I would like to know, first, did it meet, fall below, or exceed your expectations? Let's before, start with Daniel. Before any answers are given, spoiler alert. Oh, there thank you, thank you. Spoiler alerts, left, right, in between, everywhere. Just, We're going to spoil the Jawas out of this thing. It, it's just Ooh, time. Jimmy. It is just time to hit pause, go watch the rest of it. If you Obi-Wan haven't Obi-Wan. seen Obi-Wan Kenobi, shame on you and go see it. People are like, well, I don't have a Disney Plus account. That's what free trials are for. Also, friends. If you don't have a free trial or friends, I, d- I can't help you anymore. If they haven't I'll, seen I'll it, I'll be your friend. Maybe if they we haven't can share seen passwords. it, it's time they're a Trekkie. <laughs> Ugh. Oh, <laughs> hey, Daniel, that's a low blow. <laughs> Members of the show love Star Trek too. I right, know. So. <laughs> I know. But that was for the audience more than anybody. All right. I know. So you're right. Thank you for the spoiler alert. Guys, please go see the series if you haven't already. Yeah. Now, spoiler free zone ended. Yeah. Here we go. Daniel. Did it meet, fall below, or exceed your expectations? Um, ooh, that's a really good question. It definitely didn't fall below. Now the question—I mean—and it definitely met. Now the question: Did it exceed? I, I'm going to say it's it, it, it met somewhere in the middle there. Not quite an exceed, but it's more than it met because it definitely was solid. I really enjoyed it. Um, there was a few things I wish they would have done different, but overall I'm very pleased with it and I enjoyed it. matthias You know, for me, it's really kind of a mixed bag. Uh, acting, casting, uh, characters, superb. 
definitely exceeded what I ex- what I expected. Uh, the story itself was okay. It was good. Um, and but the other thing, and this is kind of a, and may, this is probably just me, but when I look at these uh, Star Wars uh, extended additional pieces. Um, I, another thing that I judge them by is how well they fit into the existing story. And honestly, with this series, there were a few sour notes. There were a couple disharmonies, uh, in the story. And so in that sense, it probably fell a little bit below my expectations. So like I said, it's a mixed bag for me. That's fair. Overall, I'd say I enjoyed it. I am glad that I saw it and I would recommend the series. Awesome. Yeah, I, okay, so it absolutely fulfilled me as a fan on in every area that I hoped they would. Those of you who've been listening to the show long enough know that I am not a fan of the prequels. After we had the, the Filoni Insights episode, please check your uh, podcast dealers for what episode that is. It's way back. I don't even remember what the date is, but go listen to it if you haven't already. It was a couple years ago. Yeah, it was a couple years ago. It was during 2020. It was during the first season of Mandalorian. Yeah. And uh, when we did the Filoni Insights, that episode helped me to appreciate the prequels more than I did. And to be honest with you, while that bar was kind of low, I was surprised at how much value those conversations that Dave Filoni uh, you know, presented. Um, I, I was surprised at how much value that injected into the prequels for me. This series did something similar where it breathed validity into certain things they did in the prequels while also validating things they did in the original trilogy. In fact, one of the, well, we'll get there uh, soon enough, I think, but um, I was wonderfully pleased with the outcome of this series. I'm with you, Daniel. There were a few things where I was like, they handled things in ways I didn't expect, or there were moments where I was like, why, why would you do it like that? Why is that a thing? But ultimately I thought the series was fantastic and things that we thought were loopholes or plot holes after the first two episodes were largely handled by the end of the sixth oh, yeah. episode. Yeah, I agree. So I appreciated that too. I mean, now, especially uh, the sister. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I love to end on positive notes. So let's first dive into the things that we were not really thrilled with. Matai-san, I, with the Obi-Wan Kenobi series either as a whole or the last four episodes or anyone it doesn't matter any part of was there something in the series that rubbed you the wrong way and was not quite resolved by the end of those six episodes uh there were a couple of things yes um there were a lot of stuff where there was tension built up tension built up and when they finally did something that broke the tension my first thought was why who was the genius who decided not to do that at the beginning all right, so for example, uh, Reva is out there with uh, all these stormtroopers and this heavy cannon outside this big metal door. And they're blasting <laughs> it, they're blasting it, they're blasting it. And it's going to take them a long time to get through. Then she has this brief conversation with Kenobi, stabs her lightsaber through the gate, and it instantly opens. Yeah, I'm like, you didn't want to lead with that? Um, I mean, I understand the story's got to happen, but it's... and and and. That to me is just is more of a weak point in the story. Uh, it was you could have written that a little bit better. Uh, and then another thing was this is the first time that I can recall seeing 
use a lightsaber battle where force is used directly as uh, against your your opponent. Yeah. Now, that's not to say that the force hasn't been used. Um, if you go back to the first lightsaber battle that was ever shown was the elderly Obi-Wan against Darth Vader. Yes. Uh, and that was straight lightsaber on lightsaber. Yes, it was. Okay, and then you get Empire Strikes Back. It's mostly lightsaber and lightsaber, but then Darth starts throwing other objects at him, but not at the same time that he's swinging a lightsaber. Uh, In this one, I mean, they're straight on. The uh, Grand Inquisitor does it. When Reva tries to attack the, was it the bartender, I think? And um, the Grand Inquisitor just raises his hand and stops her blade and I'm thinking now wait a second if this is a move that even a moderate force user can use why when you're in a lightsaber battle why don't you just catch your opponent's hand just like that and then slice them in half like Darth Maul right you know I'm looking at that going if this is really a technique I just it seems to me that that would it, it's such a great strategic move if you can stop your opponent from attacking at just the right moment. So the the uh, the direct force on force attack stuff, I kind of took issue with that. Now, having said that, the choreography and the fights get more and more complex. They get more and more fantastic and they are amazing. I love me a good sword fight. Absolutely, I love me that. And some of the best scenes from the series here were when Darth Vader and Obi-Wan Kenobi start duking it out and they hold nothing back. And I'm looking at that going, I've wanted this the entire Star Wars <laughs> series, everything. That was incredible. The that, However, it's also one of those disharmony notes I was talking about. It's like this happens between the prequels and the originals and... While it's glorious, it's epic, and it doesn't suck, it also doesn't fit. It doesn't fit very well with the rest of the story. So I love it, but it make, it, it kind of sours the rest of the series for me, Krebs. Daniel, do you agree with that assessment that, that Matthew just gave? Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to jump in here. So I know the reason why she doesn't do that is because actually – it damages the lightsaber by stabbing it in because it overheats and the lightsaber cannot deal with that. So that's why we don't see it happen that often because putting it into that blast door, it creates a tremendous amount of heat and it can actually damage the crystal as well as the saber hilt. So that's why we don't see it happen that often. So that's why she chose to use that as a last resort. So, I mean, that makes sense. Okay. Okay. So, um, but again, you know, we saw Qui-Gon doing Qui- it was Qui-Gon did that a much more extreme version. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, he was trying to stop something. Uh, yeah. And then as soon as then the droidicas rolled out, so we didn't get the rest of that because he pulled it out. But anyways. Um I don't know. I I I think I mean the question I'm gonna pose is has have you seen Rebels? Because I think it set that a lot of the that especially that last fight set up so many great things um it set up things for the obi-wan darth maul fight that we see um in rebels because when we first this the series starts out he's really conflicted because he's lost everything i mean he lost his master he lost his brother 
uh, the woman he loved, which we see in Clone Wars, was killed. The order he dedicated his life to has been destroyed. He's, you know, his whole life is in disarray. And we see that he, he can't really use the force. You know, when Leia falls, he's struggling. I mean, we've seen multiple times where he just whips his hands out and it happens. But he, he almost didn't save her. But by the end, he is fully back and embracing the force. And he has accepted who he is. And then there are little beautiful breadcrumbs at the end where, you know, Anakin says, I killed, or no, Vader says, I killed Anakin Skywalker. Yes, and I want to talk about that. Which leads into A New Hope. And then in a mocking tone, he says, goodbye, Darth. He won't call him Vader. He won't address him by a name, but he says goodbye. You know, that's pretty much saying goodbye, Sith. He won't acknowledge him as as Anakin or even Vader, um, which is insulting, in my opinion. Which is again in New Hope because he's like he calls him Darth. Yeah. You know, it's like why did he call him that? So I think they did really good connecting those things and giving a valid reason for it. Um, but the one hokey thing I have with the last fight is those rocks flying against Vader. You could definitely tell they were styrofoam <laughs> rocks. Well, they're probably CG. So, no, though they were there, some of them weren't, um, and so you could you can see them bouncing, and rocks don't bounce that way, but that's okay. Um, there weren't a lot. Uh, There's a lot more CG, but I don't know. They bounce that way and crawl. I think it's legit. Maybe because <laughs> crawl is the standard. But yes. I, I I will agree with you. The sword fights were beautiful. They got more complex, and they were fantastic. And seeing a beaten brutalized vader with his helmet slashed open you can mm. see anakin's face he's struggling to breathe oh it's just so amazing yeah i really feel like it did fill in the gaps now i feel like it could have been longer we could have got more but i understand they had to draw a line somewhere yeah, you, you mentioned his progression in the Force. I totally, I, I was surprised by it, but totally accepted and thought it was a wonderful plot device that he cuts himself off from the Force, kind of similar to what Luke ends up having to do yeah. later on. I loved seeing that repeat. I love him talking to his deceased master as because he acknowledges there's a Force ghost, right? Yeah. That's all very cool. Um, what I, he begins to get his powers back and I wanted to see that happen, but I, I I found it somewhat hard to swallow that he didn't fail. He hasn't used this stuff forever. He, we see him struggling. He's trying to hold the water back from crushing the, the, the windows in that one base. And it's like, I know that takes a huge amount of, of force. It seems like his progression from barely able to catch this 10-year-old girl to holding back tons of water happened so quickly. I, I would have liked to have seen more development in the story where he tries and fails a couple times before he comes back. Absolutely, I say he had to, at the end, be full power against a full power Darth Vader. That's what I wanted to see. But I really didn't like the progression of going from zero to hero. I don't, I feel like he made he had a lot of failures. I mean, Leia got gets knocked off a building and he has to try to rescue her. Um, he loses Leia. He loses to Vader in his, his fight against him. I mean, mm-hmm. he 
royally gets his butt kicked and then yeah. Vader drags him into a fire and he has to get thrown into a back to tank. What, uh, what I meant is fail, well, trying to use the force and failing failures yeah. with the force, not the failures overall. Uh, I mean, he got, he gets buried under tons of rock and barely holds it there. I think that attributes a lot to how powerful he is as a force user, but also the fact that he hasn't cut himself off that long, you know, cause when we see Luke, he's been cut off for decades, right? Or maybe it's a decade or something. Like it. It's been a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Obi-Wan completely cut himself off. So I think his they're... midi-chlorians are still well-fed is what you're saying. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. and, midi-chlorians, you know, the sea it... monkeys of the force. Yeah. And he, you know, he tinkers with Jawas and they're hairy. <laughs> so so i uh, by the way i in addressing any of the points that you guys saw as negative i don't mean to invalidate your opinion mm-hmm. but i i find it interesting that we that we are viewing this from different lenses for example um going back to the conversation that matthew or that that matai pointed out concerning the saber fight between vader and the third sister mm-hmm. uh Re- reva reva mm-hmm. Reva McIntyre. Um, so she, <laughs> Reba, but... <laughs> she, she, um, when, when, when they were fighting and he's using the force, the way that I interpreted that scene, I got a chance to see that particular fight twice. And the way that I interpreted that scene is that she is so raw and untrained in the ways of the force. It's not just that. And, and Anakin is of course, extremely powerful, right? But, it's not just that. It's that she is not as focused as Vader. She's not as disciplined as Vader. Vader has all this hate and rage, but he has made it part of what makes him powerful. His it weapon. is, yeah, yeah, it's his. It's his weapon. He controls it most of the time, yeah. right? Uh, but her rage controls her, yeah. and she is raw and unfocused. And so, going back to what you were saying about like, why don't other Jedi do this? Well, because in all the other fights that we've ever seen. We are watching highly trained, highly skilled, highly focused opponents fighting each other. And I think if you were to try to use the force the force like that on an opponent who's that focused, it would open you up to attack. There's no opportunity for it. Similar similar to what we're seeing with like Obi-Wan trying to hold back the tons of water or trying to hold up the rocks. He in those moments, he is able to focus on just that. He can focus on just doing that one thing, spreading out the surface area. And he can see all those points, those pressure points in his, in his mind. He can feel all those things, but he has to focus on that. He couldn't do that and have a saber fight with Riva. Right. Or or the the troopers. Well, and another thing that, you know, we got to realize is all that, that training was lost. Luke really didn't get that. Yeah, that's true. He he was with Yoda for a very short time because he took off. Yeah. Um, I don't even know if he could have gotten all the training he has. And so, you know, there's a lot of things that Luke did not get that we saw in the prequels and from Vader. Um, Cause he's one of the original OG Jedi really I mean, <laughs> with, with the training. Uh, and so is Kenobi. Um, not only that, man, I, I have to say, Owen, Owen and Baru, man, even though yeah. they've got no force skills or powers, they held their own against. They are real ones. Yeah, they're, so they're scrappy farmers. You know, you know, I I never really liked them, but man, I now really like them. I mean, they really love Luke. 
and they see Luke as their child and they were willing to go against a dark Jedi to save him. I, that, I'm so impressed with them. I love when discarded characters or, or um, disposable characters end up with meaningful backstory at some yeah. point. Right. Um, yeah. The other thing I'll say, this last thing I'll say on this point though, is um, that with, to the point of like, I would like to have seen Obi-Wan like fail in using the force like, like have more growth, have more practice, yeah. that sort of thing. Um, I had similar thoughts too. And as I thought about it later, and as I compare it to sort of like all of the canon, right. You know, Yoda makes sure that we know it's not about size, which is yeah. another reason why I hate midi-chlorians because midi-chlorians are a parts per million problem, but yeah. that's not the point. Um, I, he, he, and, and, you know, Yoda lifts the X-wing out of the bog on Dagobah. He, he, you can see that he exerts himself but he's yeah. focused and he there's also and more important than anything is the belief that yes. he can do it, which is the lesson he teaches Luke. Right. I don't think Obi. So Obi-Wan kind of cut himself off from the force, but the force was never gone. Right. Yeah. The, he wasn't weak in the force. He was weak in belief in his ability to use the force. And so I think in those moments as he, as he was put to the test, as he needed it desperately, that's when his belief regained some of its muscle memory, you know, that regained some of its strength. Um, and that scene where he's fighting Vader and he like extends his arms and there's just this army of rocks that he levitates at once. I loved seeing that. I thought that I thought it was the most justice done to the Obi-Wan character in any canon. Yes. Let, let me ask you this. I got a question for you. Yeah. Yeah. I thought they were very clever and they took a huge risk having a dark Jedi or Sith, whatever, go after Luke Skywalker because Luke Skywalker of a new hope didn't know what a lightsaber was, mm -hmm. did not know much about Jedi other than what, you typically hear in the myths and legends, yeah. you know, basically what, what little kid Anakin was saying, Oh, you're a Jedi. You can't die. You yeah. know, is so he, he'd heard the legends, but he didn't know anything about the force and how that worked. And they did it very cleverly. Luke never actually saw Reva until nope. he was in the Hills running from her. And yeah. he never got a good look at her cause it was so dark. Uh, so anyway, the way they handled all that to try and keep things consistent, I thought that was very clever and it could have gone very wrong. My question for you is, how do you feel about the resolution of that particular conflict? He falls down. He's completely helpless. She's standing over him with a lightsaber. And Luke Skywalker is saved by a change of heart of a Sith disciple. No, I think it was perfect. I mean, that's really good writing, in my opinion, because here is a character that is so driven by her hate, her anger. She wants to get back at Vader. She wants to destroy him because and this is where we really find out how she knew about Anakin. This is where we're like, how does anyone know? Which was handled very well, in my yeah, opinion, because she was one of those younglings. She survived. She buried herself, you know, she got injured, but she buried herself under the other dead and just played dead. So she knows he is Anakin. She heard them call him Lord Vader, which I'm like, okay, I can, I can accept this. And she's kept that secret. But you see that she's going to strike Luke and she sees Anakin in her mind above her just, and she realizes I've become him. I have gone so far that I am now him if I follow through with this. And she breaks. 
And that, I think that was the best way to deal with that character, you know, and then she brings him back. And she even has that conversation with Obi-Wan. Have I gone too far? Am I him? And Obi-Wan says, no, you made a different choice. I, I think it was handled really well because you're right. I mean, it was kind of hokey, but it built up the tension to that moment where we had this wonderful moment. It, it, it's no different than what we saw with Vader when Aunt Luke is twitching on the ground being hit by force lightning and you mm-hmm. see Vader's even though we can't see his face, you see the mask and that turmoil and he has to make a choice. Yeah. I, I had very similar thoughts on the one hand. It was like, she was driven by her rage. She, she knew she was hunting a child. She knew. Oh, yeah. And, and she was doing it on purpose. But by the time she got there and she started to see herself in this fallen child and she started to think about all the ramifications. I, I think if she had not had the conversations that she did with Obi-Wan prior to that moment, I don't think that the, I don't think that her walls, her defenses would have been so weakened. And I think she probably would have killed Luke. I think her time with Obi-Wan facing the truth about her rage, facing the truth about her relationship to Vader, that she is not subservient to him, but that she's, but rather she's looking for the right opportunity to strike. You know, I I think all of those things culminated in that moment where she was about to murder an innocent child. Mm -hmm. And for someone who had to bury herself under the bodies of her fallen dead brothers and sisters as younglings, Mm -hmm. like, I think that that was a trigger for her. I think that that like really impacted her psyche. She had no problem killing adults, but this is the first time she had to kill a kid, you know, like for real. Yeah. You know, I, you raise some very good points. Both, both of you do. And I, I was looking at this and for me, there was a significant amount of cheese Mm -hmm. in, Mm -hmm. in that thing, uh, in, in that scene. And that's just my opinion that that's just how I saw it. It would perfectly fit an eighties movie uh, because those are the kind of themes, those are the kind of things that happened. Mm-hmm. But in the 21st century, with these grittier movies where we don't have heroes as often as we have anti-heroes, something like that happens, and it's just like, it was almost... If, if you look at the way that, that Daniel describes it, yeah, that could be a great... This is a great way to uh, bring the redemption arc into mm-hmm. play. Looking at it another way, it's like, was that kind of a cop-out? Was that kind of a, a sign of some cheap writing? I can see that. I can see that. You know, I, I, I think you can see it either either way, and it definitely is in the eye of the beholder. Let, I'm yeah. going to say let, that. let me throw this in there. Because the thing that I didn't like about the show, the number one thing that I did not like was that it was six episodes. Uh, the production quality on every episode was top freaking notch. It was so good. But there were only six of them. And so you how, end up taking... How many would you have wanted? I would have wanted at least eight, at most ten. I would have said yeah. I mean, eight would be great. This That is the problem, is the clock. I mean, you couldn't get all the development we wanted because it's six episodes. I mean, it's it's you know it's a little low, it's a movie and a half uh well no it's not a movie and a half because they're an hour each so it's it's three movies together um it could have been better if they had spent given us more time to get to build that up we could have spent more time with the, the sister to see more of the conflict that she was struggling with um but ultimately 
that stuff was probably happening behind the scenes because this was all about Obi-Wan. Um, so, and, it, and it's a, a lot like with Vader uh, through, you know, the, the original trilogy because, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that Vader's conflict that Vader's going through, but we don't see that in the movie. Yeah. But read the extended universe stuff, the comics, the books. We, we see that. I mean, in one of the comics, it's Boba Fett that tells Vader that the child's name was Sky or the kid's name was Skywalker mm. long before the emperor said, told Vader. So that's, so there's a lot of turmoil that we don't see um, in the movies as well as we saw in the series, because our focus was on Obi-Wan. It wasn't on the, the sister. Um, it wasn't on Vader. We saw some of it when they, inter- they brought Vader in, but it wasn't really there. So I definitely I hear what you're saying there. I would have loved to see more. I definitely would have. Yeah. Uh, let's in the few minutes that we have left for this episode, sure. I want to rapidly talk about up to, you know, I, I, I don't know, two, three, four things that we each loved about the show. You don't have to go into super great detail, but like, let's hit a few things that we loved. Cause I think we loved more about the show than we did. than we didn't like. Oh yeah. Uh, Matthias on kicks off. Ewan McGregor. Number one on my <laughs> list has got to be Ewan McGregor. He reprised this role so excellently. When I saw him first in um, uh, The Phantom Menace, his mannerisms, his voice inflections were so Sir Alec Guinness. Yes. And he maintained that throughout. And I, I had... I have to give him props for that. He was just fantastic. There was, it is seamless between him and uh, Sir Alec. I love that. And it was so wonderful to see him back it, wearing that character and, and, and seeing where it went. Uh, second thing that I liked, um, surprisingly, I liked uh, bringing back uh, Owen and Baru. And uh, seeing, I, I kind of wanted to see a little more of, of young Luke Skywalker, like we saw a lot of Leia. Yeah. Uh, that was that was kind of neat. Uh, of course, the effects, always top notch. It was incredible. The costumes, the different aliens that we saw. I mean, this is just, there. there is no criticism there. I don't see how you can criticize any of that uh, without being nitpicky. But uh, my, and then my fourth thing, which I think I've already mentioned before, the battles. There were lots of battles. There was lots of incredible, extreme uses of the force. Holding a freighter, ripping the side open, Mm -hmm. holding back tons of water, uh, uh, dodging or deflecting uh, laser bolt after laser bolt. I think that was just... Absolutely. It was incredible to see. And okay. Yes, the prequels may have a lot to criticize it. One thing they did right from the beginning of Phantom Menace is they showed what a full Jedi Master, what a full Jedi Knight, all the different force abilities that they've got access to. They had force jumps. They had force running. They had they were holding their breath. You know, there was all kinds of stuff that they did in that very first movie to show the force is a lot more than something you can use to shoot a torpedo down a, an exhaust shaft. <laughs> I, and I loved seeing, you know, despite the, with the, the movie title, I loved seeing the force unleashed in this <laughs> series. I think it was actually unleashed and not deus ex machina, like in the movie of that title. 
Absolutely. Um, I want to jump on that because it's a great segue of what you just said. Speaking of The Force Unleashed, there were two video games for the PlayStation and Xbox and eventually PC called The Force Unleashed and The Force Unleashed 2, in which the main character, known as the Secret Apprentice, a.k.a. Starkiller, a.k.a. Galen Merrick, uh, yeah. played by Sam Witwer. Sam Witwer. Yeah. Who was brilliant and would later on go, you know, would later on play Darth Maul in the animated Darth series. Uh, he, there, there is a sequence in the game as well as a scene in the trailer, I think for, I, th- I think it was number one where um, he, there's a star destroyer taking off yep. and he reaches out with the force and he grabs a star destroyer with a, that's trying to leave Atmo. Mm-hmm. Like it's just taken off the ground. And then in the game, you actually wrestle with this thing until you can bring it down and drive it into the ground. And to have that moment where Vader walks into the docking bay and he reaches up with one hand and they even show like the tremors in his hand, but it's not like his hand is shaking. It's more like resistance in the force. Yeah. Um, very much the same way when Kylo Ren freezes a laser bolt or the way that it quivers in the air. His hand was doing that, which I thought was brilliant. But he he struggles with the freighter until he can bring it down. And then he just reaches out with the force and just tears off the sides of the ship. I did make a joke as the second freighter takes off. I did make a joke. I was like, oh, no, he used all his mana. Now he's in cooldown. Yeah. And like, <laughs> and, and, you know, and and then later on, you know, in A New Hope, I'm sorry, in Empire Strikes Back, when we see the Millennium Falcon take off from Hoth, he's in that docking bay, but he doesn't use that power. And um, I think that could be explained by a couple of, of, of reasons of, of maturity and calm and, and also like his intent for what's aboard that ship is different than destroying them outright. So he can't just use that ability in the moment, but that seeing him do that in this show was phenomenal. I loved seeing his power in this show. So I agree with you on that one. I also, um, I also loved that final moment with Obi-Wan and Anakin after his helmet is sliced, we get to see Obi-Wan actually attack him. Obi-Wan's throwing rocks. He's hitting it. He hit him in the back, in the arm. He's hitting him with lightsaber. And then he gashes him across the helmet, tearing the, the helmet away, but also causing that signature scar that we see down the side of his head for the rest of the movies, which I thought was brilliant. And we get to hear the Hayden Christensen voice versus the James Earl Jones voice as his voice changer is fading in and I, out. I love that modulation. That modulation the, was so good. There was some audio effects going on there just as on point as video effects yes. uh, in the rest of it. L- yes. Loved that voice. And for all the guff that Hayden got, including from me, about his acting being very wooden in the in the prequels, I thought this moment where all he had was his left eye exposed, I thought he did a fantastic job. But that... That moment where he's talking to Obi-Wan, there are certain things that are said. He says, you know, like you said, Daniel, he says, I killed, he's a, you didn't kill Anakin. I killed Anakin, which of course breathes legitimacy into his discussion with Luke later in Return of the Jedi. But then he said, then my friend is truly dead, which is exactly with the swap of the relationship, what Luke said when Vader said he would turn him over to the emperor, he said, then my father is truly dead. And I thought like that line in 1983 was so strong to begin with. But when you combine it with this moment in the timeline with what Obi-Wan said, and then Vader's own son says it to him before he turns him over to the emperor. Oh my gosh, that line, I'm getting chills multiple times. That line has so much more weight now because of what they did with this show. I 
Loved it. And then finally, I'll just put the cherry on top, giving us a Leia character that was truly Carrie Fisher as a youngling. Um, I, I, I wasn't sure about her when we did our first review. And then by the end of the six episodes, I just adored her. And I thought she was spot on. She was fantastic. Daniel, what did you love about the show? Well, I mean, obviously the lightsaber battles were fantastic and brilliant. Even when it was dark and you couldn't see their sabers glowing brilliantly uh, as they fought was just fantastic. I love, you know, you've already said it, uh, that end scene where they're talking, because I mentioned that. Um, another really powerful moment for me was that moment afterwards where uh, we're back on Alderaan and Obi-Wan shows up and he's talking to Leia and, and then tells her, you know, I see these qualities in you. And that's like, yes. and I see these qualities from in you and they're from your father, man. I teared up. Yeah. Because, you know, and you could see that she just swelled with, you know, with pride where she's like, she now knows where she comes from, which is where I think she's, she's the even more stronger Leia that we, we know and love yes. where Luke is still kind of, wishy-washy doesn't really know yet um because he doesn't know he doesn't know his parents but she does she knows where she comes from and she has some loving parents that are guiding her as well um that we see uh on Alderaan uh not only that I you know there's a few other characters I really really enjoyed um in the series uh you know I loved Haja you know the fake Jedi he that character even though oh my gosh that was so good really grew he really grew as a character even though we didn't see him much but they did it well enough that we we saw this character progress um through the end his character was his character for like the the five minutes he was on screen over all the episodes was far superior than his character in the eternals oh yeah um tala tala tall yeah tala Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um i've always liked that actor she's been in several different series i mean she was Mm -hmm. in and other things as well Man, she did a fantastic job. She did. I really enjoyed her character, and it was sad that she went, but... Uh, I, we got to see a thermal detonator I know. detonate. I know. It was awesome. That was awesome. Um, but I liked how her character died. I mean, it was... Val- it, again, it's Star Wars. There's death. Um, and her death wasn't in vain. It was done very well, and... and it was great. And, you know, I wasn't a big fan of Hayden in the prequels either. Um, seeing him in other stuff really changed that for me. And I really am grateful he got a chance to come back as his character and, and yes. got to see his acting chops. You know, because you're right. We don't see most of him. We just see half of his face. But, man, you can see the rage and the intensity and, like, the frustration that his body is failing him and he can't get up and he can't go after Obi-Wan as he, as Obi-Wan is walking away yet again. This is the second time this person has defeated him, but he's supposed to be an all powerful Sith. Um, I just, I, I love those. And I love the little things that were done to connect the later movies. Yeah. You know, cause everyone has always oh. like, why did it, why does he call him Darth? He's Darth Vader. And why, you know, why did he say that Vader killed Anakin? And it, I, you know, it's like, okay, we're going to connect those dots. And, you know, again, I loved young Leia. I really did. I didn't mind that we didn't see Luke. 
I, you know, and he just got a little bit of time because I think we really needed that comparison because he got, we got a lot of screen time with him and Luke in new hope. We didn't get that with Leia. So when they're escaping and running to the millennium Falcon and Obi-Wan looks over and sees the twins united for the first time ever. And then he's ready, you know, and he's just ready. He turns the saber off, makes that moment so much stronger, in my opinion. Yeah. I really like that because he he has that relationship with Leia. He has it with Luke now. He sees the twins together. And he's like, all right, I can go. I can become more powerful now. And I can help that way. Can, can I throw in one more thing that yeah, I just loved? Ahead. That moment at the end, which we, there, there were two things that happened at the end that we were all waiting for. Yeah, and I, one, I haven't brought that one up yet. So go <laughs> ahead. I will throw one and you'll do the other one, I'm sure. Um, but the moment where Obi-Wan looks at Luke and goes, hello there. Yep. And they're like, that was such a wonderful piece of fan service done with style and class and without being heavy handed. What was the other thing you're thinking of? Oh, the other thing I'm thinking of is, you know, he's he's on his Tatooine camel. That's what I'll call it because I can't remember the name of the creature. And he's going towards Beggar's Canyon. I believe it's Beggar's Canyon. Probably. Um, and a, a force ghost shows up of Qui-Gon Jinn. Yes. And he's like, Master Qui-Gon. And he's like, and, and, and literally, he's, he just go. I, I can't remember the exact question. He's like, I've been here all along. I've just been waiting for you. You, know? like, you just didn't, you weren't ready to see me. Yeah, yeah. I, I was waiting for that moment from episode one. Yes, same yeah. Because I wanted Liam Neeson so bad. Everyone was. But I really like that. And he's like, come on. We've got a long way to go. Yeah. So it really, I think having him at the end was really strong and powerful because we see him wavering. He's not. So it makes sense that he doesn't see him. But now he's accepted who he is. And he walks into, he's walking into the sunset pretty much or the canyon with Qui-Gon and then when we see him again in Rebels, he is confident and strong. And I can't say anything else in case. Well, no, it's spoilers. I don't. Spoilers. Yeah, we're fine. We're fine. Spoilers. He, I mean, he takes out Darth Maul in one swipe. And we know now why. Because yeah. he is within himself. And it's been amazing to see that. And I really would love to see more with Qui-Gon showing up. Yeah, you know what? I... I love having Liam Neeson back in this series, but I wish people would stop calling him Qui-Gon. His name is obviously Keegan from Kroll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you, you could believe that, Krebs. That, that's well, okay. There, We could probably, we can do what we always do. We can probably turn this into a three-hour episode, but this is, I, this is our initial hot take. Yeah, go ahead. I do have one last thing. Go ahead. How do you guys like how lightsabers are no longer lethal? Darth Maul can be chopped in half. I thought about he survives. That. The Grand Inquisitor is stabbed. So is Reva. And she not only survives, but travels. And she doesn't have access to a back to tank or anything. So apparently being impaled by hot shafts of plasma is no longer as dangerous as it used to be. Depends on where you get poked, right? Like, well, Yeah. I mean, so this is actually, it is explained in both Clone Wars and even the Inquisitor said it. There's nothing more than hatred, or what was the line exactly? Apparently, 
the the what is it? The desire for revenge can do wonders for the will to live. Yeah. So yeah. basically, explain to me how that fits into medical science. Though. Well, I mean, well, the Sith so, the Sith work that way, right? Like, well, first off, kind of I mean, the lightsaber cauterizes the wounds; they're not bleeding to death. Yeah, but it also cauterizes the internals because I had that thought too. Yeah, yeah. it <laughs> so. does cauterize any internal stuff, but you know. She, I mean, she is dying. Even when she goes after Luke, I mean, you can tell she's in pain, but she's using the Force. And uh, I can't. It, there's the book of uh, the Dark Lords um, that uh, Vader is using the Force to try to heal himself. Yeah, and it it works until he gets excited about it, and then he loses it. Yeah, and then it I, stops healing him. I don't think that was so, in Dark Lords. I think that was in. Um... Oh, I'll have to go back and find it again. But but you're right. Like, because I remember reading about that. I remember reading that. So it is something they can do, and their their anger and their hatred can heal them enough so they can get to a back to tanker or something like that. Um, so you know, and and that's the same thing with with Darth Maul. He probably would have died, but there was machines or something under there that actually hooked him up to machinery that actually kept him alive. So he would have died. I mean, let's be honest. Maul got the Boba Fett treatment, which is he was intended to be dead. Yes. And the fans thought he was so cool and so great that they were like, well, maybe he's not so dead. Yeah. 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 I, I, he's I get only that. mostly dead. Mostly dead. Well, yeah. I get that. And we can bring him back. Yeah. Even uh, Fennec. Fennec. Yeah. Fennec, Fennec Shand. Phoenix Shan, thank you. I couldn't remember the full yeah. name. I mean, she was literally dead, but apparently you can put droid parts in a person and make them come back alive. Well, she so. was also only mostly dead. Yeah. She w- she wasn't quite dead yet. But yeah, I mean, that 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 is the technology level of Star Wars. That's, I mean, that's how yeah. Maul survived. So I, I just thought it was interesting that uh, what is normally considered a, a, a mortal blow is not if they still have more story for you. If Well, if he had aimed... So he got her, like, in the lower gut, right? Like, yeah. if so, like, she what, definitely hasn't... She's going to have to lose some pieces of intestine, right? But, like, he didn't hit her in the lungs. He didn't hit her in the heart. He didn't hit her in the liver, you know, uh, he he hit her in a place that she could survive. And it does beg the question, was that on purpose? Because he's he himself is, uh, you know, having become the monster uh, through manipulation, has become the master of making new monsters through yeah. manipulation. Well, wasn't Han stabbed in pretty much the same location? No, he was in the, he was in the chest. Well, I don't, it may not have been the saber that killed him. Think about how far he fell. Thanks, OSHA, for failing on that one. Uh, well, okay, fine. So, real quickly, uh, if you haven't already, so uh, Forced Unleashed is now available on the Switch. Yes. Um, so, very much. The interesting about Forced Unleashed 2, there is a scene where you can actually fight Han Solo, and, and it's <laughs> almost the same as Kylo Ren, stab a lightsaber through his chest and out his back, which a lot of people like. Yeah, the know. DLC was extremely dark and made me feel bad as a person. Yes. Uh, but, but the game um, offers you the opportunity to be light or dark in your choices, and I have to be honest, the Starkiller canon of him being light is wonderful that storyline is excellent and it's a game that i think did not get the the credit it was due guys we are up against our time it has (laughs) but what an awesome experience to finally as fans you know 45 years in the making having the opportunity to see obi-wan's story have 
pretty much all of its gaps filled in, right? Like there's probably room for more. They are talking about possibly doing a season two when that was not the original plan, but whether they do or they don't, what an amazing, wonderful, exciting, heartfelt experience this series was. I don't care that it was a little shorter than I wanted. It was as a fan, something that I desired and was not let down. Uh, it was it was a gorgeous thing. So thank you guys for being here and for talking about it. And Daniel, take us out. Yeah, I mean, there's one last thing I would really love to see is let's get out of the Imperial era. Let's go somewhere else. I mean, I, there's so much history of Star Wars. Let's go back in time. I mean, let's be in a time where there's not a lot of books and there's not a lot of movies because it's cool Stormtroopers and Vader art. I really want to start seeing some other stuff. It'd be really cool. Um, there's more, there's more room in the sandbox for other. Well, it's time to explore Revan. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or Darth Bane. Or Darth Bane. Or Exar. Or any of the old Republic. Right? Yeah. Or Exar Kun. Or, uh, you know, the split of the Jedi, so that we now have the light and the dark, and they go to Korriban and meet the Sith race. I mean, there's just so much. Um, I'm also okay with jumping significantly into the future for the resurrection of the Jedi Order. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, the Mandalorian Wars would be awesome to see. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. But for those of you, if you liked it, you know, you like the Obi-Wan series, that's awesome. If you didn't like it, that's okay, too. If you're just a Star Wars fan and you're watching Discovery or whatever else, Lower Decks, that's okay, too. I still love you, but I'm not going to watch it. Uh, <laughs> I am not a Star Trek. I'm not a, I'm not a Trekkie. You're not a Trekkie, but that's okay. We love you just the way you are. Yes, yes, yes but I still will watch them with friends because that's how I am. But for those of you out there, we do have some awesome uh, interviews coming up. Uh, Next week, we will have author Craig Nybo on talking about uh, his writings as well as his podcast. It's uh, his new podcast. It's kind of an audio drama style, uh, but horror, uh, in a horror way uh it's these short stories he's written and he's doing them right now he's just uh, narrating himself with his own music that he writes for these things um but soon it will have a full cast uh which will be awesome and then sometime soon we will be talking with ra salvatore talking about his new book glacier's edge it's always a pleasure to have bob on the show uh so check it out and then we have some other fun stuff that we'll be trying to uh, bring your way So with that said, we'll catch you next time and always pick the high ground. Hey, Daniel. What? What do you call a blind dinosaur? Blind? Do you think it's Saurus? Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. No, Uh, it didn't. I love you. It did not. And that's okay. Because, (laughs) Because... yeah, uh, I don't think I don't think he saw that one coming. Chris Pratt is in here. <laughs> Blindsided him, as it were. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and if Chris Pratt was with us, he'd just hold his hand forward, and then he'd get eight because the dinosaur didn't see him. That's right. That's right. Just hold. Just give the dinosaur a high five, nice and slow. Yeah. Well, whether whether you use your animal kin to calm a raptor or you use the force to stay alive in a lightsaber battle, always remember to be epic. And don't suck. Remember, the force will be with you always.